Welcome to Three Yards Per Carry, a podcast covering the Miami Dolphins and the NFL. Now, here's your hosts, Chris, Alf, and Simon. You're on. Oh, that. <laughs> what a start to the season. An absolute uh, clusterfuck. <laughs> Welcome to Three Yards Per Carry. I'm Simon Clancy. The NFL season is upon us. We are but a few hours away from kickoff between the Kansas City Chiefs and the Detroit Lions. I'm broadcasting to you from a cave. Without a microphone, so apologies for the noise and the uh, sort of background, sort of havey type feel. Fortunately, Alf is uh, ensconced in his home studio and Chris is at Abbey Road where he helped make the Beatles albums. Um, but before we get to those two, uh, I need to tell you that this show is brought to you, as always, by Price Picks. You go to pricepicks.com forward slash three yards and use the promo card. Uh, promo card. You can use a promo card if you like, but probably better to use a promo code. Uh, three number three yards to get a $100 match bonus on your $100 deposit. Also, by Better Edge, go to betteredge.com forward slash five reasons to get $20 for signing up. GoPuff.com, use promo code WELCOME1010, that's WELCOME1010, and get $10 off your first 10 orders. And if you're hungry, and we all are, go to factormeals.com, perfect ahead of the NFL season. You can order food in to watch the Dolphins beat the Chargers. Use promo code three, the number three yards per carry, all one word, 50. So three yards per carry and the numbers five zero to get 50% off your first order. Gentlemen, how are we? Great. One of these days we're going to figure out how to make all the promo codes the same. Yes, exactly. that would make life so much easier for people like me. Yeah, because if people are listening right now, they got to start writing all this stuff down. Like four different promo codes, four different companies. But yeah, we love all our sponsors and they love us. Excited about the start of the season, gents? Absolutely. Christopher? Not really. (laughs) No, I'm kidding. It's it's about time. It's about time. Good game tonight to kick it off as well. Should be a fun one. Oh, God. Yeah, this is... um, Although, uh, you know, I've been been reading uh, some of uh, Barry's work about you know, all the different uh, ways of uh, broadcasting the games this season and the fact that tonight's game is going to be on Amazon and then you got a playoff game that's going to be on, like, Peacock, which, you know, only 7% of households actually have. And, you know, that's it's going to be a mess as far as uh, where where to find all these games. Find game. I think there's going to be a lot of people tonight, especially, well, in, in the States, certainly not in Europe, but in the States who are turning onto the mainstream channels thinking, where is the season opener and why is it not on ABC, NBC or CBS? Mm-hmm. Well, well, for whatever reason, I have it as NBC on my guide here. The only thing is... Maybe it's a sort of share across because it's the uh, because of the opening game. Yeah, I think so, because it's the opening game. Like, like I'm looking at it right here. And yes, on NBC tonight, Detroit Lions at Kansas City Chiefs. There you go. It, there won't be disappointed people then. But that will that will not be so next week. Next week yeah, you absolutely. have to have prime to watch Thursday night football. There will also not be disappointed people uh in about 27 minutes' time when we wrap up the show, having discussed what will happen between uh the Miami Dolphins and the Los Angeles Chargers on Sunday in SoFi Stadium, one of the late kickoff games on Sunday afternoon, Sunday evening here in the UK. If you are a UK listener, the game is live on Sky. Um, and it's on CBS in the US if you are listening there. Uh, each week, uh, we will do our review show on a Monday or sometimes a Tuesday, but mainly a Monday in terms of looking back on how the Dolphins have performed and reviewing that performance. And then on a Thursday, 
we will provide uh, an in-depth look at the upcoming opponent and go through, essentially, just break it down into two halves. What will happen when the Dolphins have the ball and what will happen when the Dolphins don't have the ball? It'll be fast-paced, hopefully, but there won't be much of me talking. and It'll just be lots of uh, bouncing around between the three of us. So, uh, boys, uh, first of all, very quick overall thoughts about this game, Chris. How do you see it playing out? We'll get to a kind of a prediction at the end, but how are you feeling heading into this one? Yeah, I think that, um, you know, normally you look at this as two playoff teams and we're playing in their backyard. So normally that's just going to favor them. Um, that's, and, and I think that if you were objective and if you were an NFL guy instead of a Miami guy, that's probably the lens that you would look at it through. And that's why they're favored by three. Um, there's obviously more to it than that. And we'll get into that. But um, but I think that that's that's kind of where we have to start from a from a. Um, expectations standpoint and uh, I think that's important for uh, for us Alf? yeah uh, it's been months now and even longer since the last time that they played the Chargers and uh, the expectations are high on this team you've had all this time to prepare uh, you've added Vic Fangio you added Ronaldo Hill who was there last year your team is completely healthy or as healthy as it can be going into this game and it wasn't last year win that's the expect- expectation. You are three-point underdogs. You are not hopeless underdogs. Uh, three points on the road across the country is essentially almost pick them. Uh, win this game. That's the expectations going into the, into Sunday. So let's kick off with when the Dolphins have the ball then against the Chargers. We know we talked about it on uh, on Tuesday's show in terms of just the talent that the Chargers have on defense. But if you're you know if you're unaware, then you know this is a good team. Um, that we're going up against defensively a good team, but there are potentially holes. And, and Chris will talk, I'm sure, about some of the outside zone runs and how um, how you can make hay against a certain way that they play defense. Obviously, they held us in check pretty much for the entire game in SoFi uh, last year when the wheels sort of fell off a little bit of the offense. But you know that's a defensive front that has you know Boza and uh, Khalil Mack on the edge. They've added Eric Kendricks. Kenneth Murray is still there. Um, you know, on the back end, they're very strong. JC Jackson re- returns back to form. Asante Samuel obviously had the big playoff game, but a good rookie season. Derwin James is healthy. Up front, Chris, there's some question marks. You know, Sebastian Joseph Day is a good player, but they don't, you know, interior uh, and, and guys are certainly backing up Bosa and um, and uh, Mac. It's not, you know, you wouldn't necessarily say that was a strength beyond those guys. Yeah, I think um, the the key is, in, in a lot of ways, we're going to look at this relative to last year because you know we kind of have to. Um, we, they, these teams just played each other in, in 2022 on a big prime um, prime time football game, and uh, I, I think if they attack the same way the Chargers do um, on first second down, then Miami will have opportunities, as you say, to run the ball, um, and that will depend on individual matchups. It will depend on. Uh, Joey Bosa, you know, going up against the likes of Austin Jackson um, on the on the edges and see if uh, see if they can shut us down like they did last year with their individual efforts, because last year they kind of attacked us um, uh, on early downs with, you know, lighter light ish boxes, you know, and um, and we still couldn't run the ball. And that was part of uh, part of Miami's failure, a big part of Miami's failure on first down it's not that they didn't try they they did out of you know something like 18 first downs um not counting stuff that was like you know down two scores with three minutes left um 18 first downs i think miami ran the ball like 11 times and did a couple other plays that are sort of run play extensions you know pseudo run plays 
um, that kind of thing. So they were committed to running the ball. The problem is that they were getting like zero yards, one yard, negative three yards. Um, it was not working, and it was the individual efforts of um, of Chargers players that were just beating us. And, uh, and you know, that calls into question, you know, hey, this was Miami's second game in California in an eight-day span. Did that have something to do with it? Were the Chargers just really amped up? They were. Uh, were they really amped up to defend their home turf on in prime time, um, you know, things like that. They just, they just won, you know, the players just individually beat us. Are they going to do the same thing this year? Um, if, and are they going to attack us the same way? Because we have to keep in mind also, they attacked us in, in the ways that they did last year because they had a depleted secondary. That was the big storyline heading into last year's game. And now they get back J.C. Jackson, for example, um, and they get back, uh, you know, or now they have Asante Samuel Jr. They get back Derwin James. Um, that's a big one. So, you know, are they going to attack us in a different way altogether? Um, then that's that's a big question. But um, but I think that when we have the ball, we're going to be focused very much on that run game again. And this time, you know, kind of a do over this time, we're going to do it. You know, this time we're not going to get stopped for zero yards, zero yards, one yard, negative three yards constantly on those first and tens uh, leading us to second and long. The big question that I would have for Miami is what are they going to do on second and long when they do when and if they do get stopped uh, for for very little yardage on that for on those first downs or say an incomplete pass. Miami is very lopsided in their play calling on second long, and the Chargers absolutely thrashed them for it. Um, it was sort of a, a you know voluntary um, you know self inflicted wound, I think you could say, um, on second and longs with Miami, and and we'll see if Miami has learned their lesson or if they're going to keep trying to do the same thing. But you know, Ronaldo Hill said something recently about the matchup and how the Chargers are going to face them on defense. And he said, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. So he expects pretty much the same thing. You know, he expects the same um, strategies. Now, if we really couldn't pass the ball, and it was kind of, you know, I know the journalists referred to it as the Brandon Staley game. In many ways, it was the Michael Davis game in terms of a guy who just shut everything down on the back end. But do you expect, if the Dolphins are going to run the ball, and I suspect Chris is absolutely right in terms of how they do, that they change it up and bring Chris Brooks up. Oh, I mean, not bring Chris, Chris Brooks up, he's already up, but but get Chris Brooks involved in the game in terms of just the fact that he brings something significantly different to the party that the other three guys don't have. And that's, you know, the ability to run downhill with power and strength and physicality between the tackles. Yeah, breaking tackles will be key, and I'll tell you why. Uh, they're like, like Chris said, you know, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. I did a chalk talk on OnlyFans where I talked uh, specifically about the Chargers pass defense versus the Dolphins pass offense. And there were opportunities if they had an audible package where just by mere alignment, and especially when the Dolphins do that, that ace twins with uh angled in line where he's essentially lined up as a tight end, you can isolate Asante Samuel all day long. They did it against Buffalo last year and Teron Johnson. They can do it against the Chargers and Asante Samuel. And you're essentially just running one-on-one against Derwin James, our running back versus Derwin James, four yards down the field. And if he's breaking tackles, we're getting 30, 40-yard chunks. Uh, They have to have an audible package because they're going to bring their pressure five defenses where they're going to play three under and three deep against the Dolphins. When they throw the ball, Tua cannot be hesitant to throw the corner out. It's what defeats those coverages. 
and get that ball outside to the numbers, to your playmakers, especially Jalen Waddle, who's your best route runner, and who they can't really cover if they're actually going to play, especially to the field side, because the field side, they will play off. So they'll give you a little bit of cushion. So that's the key. The key is having an audible package to run on those light boxes, especially by alignment, when you have Ingold in line, and when you throw the ball, throw that corner route, and throw quick outs to the field side, especially with Waddle, who they can't cover. Like, you have advantages, use them. Also, throw into your backs. It was open all day against them last time. They're going to have to take advantage of that this time. Chris, the, this offense is built on speed and, you know, the 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 track meet ability. But, you know, you look at JC Jackson on Tyreek Hill, if if guys follow guys, you look at Michael Davis on, on, on Waddle, and we, we know that, you know, the issues that caused in the in the game last season. But, you know, Asante Samuel, for all his ability, is a small corner. And actually, Miami have in Eric Ezekanma, in Cedric Wilson, and potentially in Robbie Chosen, if they bring him up from the practice squad, guys who are bigger, who are more physical, who can box out a guy like Asante Samuel. Do you, do you think that that could be a potential area that Mike McDaniel will look at to try and win and maybe not try and win with the track meet as much, but run the ball, use a big guy to to, to really work on a slot corner and uh, and make some hay that way? Yeah, I think that where, where you're going to look for is, um, you know, you could see River Craycraft involved in this game, you know, obviously an accomplished blocker. You could see uh, Cedric Wilson involved in this game. They use him. Um, some of these guys, they start they started using a little bit like uh, Cooper Cup and um, and with uh, the Los Angeles Rams in terms of uh, being almost like a pseudo tight end blocker. Um, and if there's a matchup that they like there with uh, with Asante Samuel, they don't think he can be physical enough uh, against those guys, then they will exploit it because they are going to they are definitely going to try and run this ball. Um, so I think that that's, uh, that's a big one, but you bring up a point with JC Jackson and Tyreek Hill. Uh, I almost think that Tyreek Hill, the guy that, that he might not want to see is, is Michael Davis, you know, given that what yeah. he, given what happened last year and keep in mind, you know, Michael Davis, uh, he's, he's used to seeing Tyreek Hill, right? Tyreek Hill, they played each other twice, twice a year, uh, all those years when Kansas city, um, so I think that, you know, he's, he's learned some things there and, and he, he definitely applied those, uh, in coverage cause he was brilliant. And like you said, it was the Michael Davis show, uh, which is just, you know, kind of, it sounds absurd, but it, it was, it really was and all the credit to him because he played out of his mind. Um, but JC Jackson, I, I got a question about him because I don't think we've proven yet that he can really play in this style. He's gone from new England. We know what style of defense that was, right? Um, and, and that was, you know, we saw that here, we had it, we had it here in Miami with, uh, Josh Boyer and, and Brian Flores. Uh, he, he goes over to, uh, Brandon Staley's, uh, style of defense. He's more of a, more of a Vic Fangio guy. Uh, I don't think JC Jackson played well last year when he did play. Um, you know, obviously he was, he missed more than half the year, but even when he did play, I don't think he played well. I wonder how well he's going to play and whether Miami uh, could could exploit him because he's not quite getting it yet. I don't think he's proven yet that he's uh, he's flipping from the New England Patriots to the Los Angeles Chargers and still being J.C. Jackson. And I think that Miami has to make him prove that. And so um, I, I think that that's, that's one area that you could possibly see uh, exploited. Uh, and the other, as you, as you suggest, is in the slot. If they feel like they've got a physicality advantage there, 
with Asante Samuel, it could help them establish that run game, which we know is is exactly what Mike McDaniel wants to do. Yeah, obviously JC Jackson serious knee injury last year. I know mm-hmm. he was worked very gently through training camp, gradually ramped up his workload coming off that uh, season-ending knee surgery. Obviously, a good sign for their for their defense. He wasn't on the injury report this week, but you know there there will be some you know things in his head, and you, you probably might want to challenge him early on in terms of just you know this is the first action he's going to have seen for you know for almost a year in terms of mm-hmm. full on physical you know. Uh, action changing direction very quickly and and the, the person you don't want to see standing over you straight away on on your first snap back is is Tyreek Hill. Alf um before we go to break here and and come back and talk about the defense obviously significant question marks about whether or not Teron Armstead will play on Sunday which is huge for the Dolphins it's huge for their season because it's the sort of thing you know if you lose Armstead in week 3 you know you can't necessarily say the season's over but by god it makes it a lot harder and We've talked about the improvements of guys like Smith and Lamb, and we expect Kendall Lamb to be the the number one guy on the rotation to come in. But much harder path to win a Super Bowl with with Kendall Lamb at left tackle than it was with Teron Armstead. How do you think that offensive line holds up, and who do you think starts at left guard? Because all week long, Mike McDaniel's ignored the question, or you know, or ignored giving an answer. Frank Smith today did exactly the same; wouldn't commit to who was going to start at left guard. Said it will be a, a surprise for the Chargers, but not a surprise for the Dolphins, which I thought was a bit weird because I don't think the Chargers are that bothered about who's starting at left guard. It's not like, you know, who's starting a quarterback or, you know. Um, but but how do you see this offensive line shaping up in terms of the ability to protect a, a vulnerable quarterback or who has been, been vulnerable in the in the past and opening holes for a run game that we know really needs to succeed on opening day? Yeah, Mike Giardi, who used to cover the, the or he still covers the New England Patriots and covered, used to cover Isaiah Wynn, uh, came out and kind of said, oh, he's he's probably going to get the call as the starter at left guard. The only way I can see how the Chargers actually care about who starts at left guard for Miami is uh, there seems to be like a conventional wisdom. I don't think it's actually written in stone, but if Isaiah Wynn starts at left guard, that means that Teron Armstead's going to go and Kendall Lamb will be the swing guy. And if Teron Armstead is not going to go, then Kendall Lamb is the starter and Isaiah Wynn has to back him up and thus Liam Meikenberg gets thrust into the starting lineup. So I think that's somewhere where the Chargers actually could care as far as who starts on that line. Uh, Austin Jackson is going to have to be important in this game. But if this game is going to be one and one with the running game, it's going to have to be the guards. Uh, the guards are going to have to get out in the run game and they're going to have to dominate their their matchups. Um you know, Sebastian Joseph Day is a nice player, but uh, Robert Hunt is supposed to be. And I think we all believe he is a top 10-ish type guard. And some believe he's a top five guard. And he's going to want to get paid like it at the end of the season. Um, when he shades over him or plays as a three-tech, he's going to have to have a dominant day. If our guards do not play well in this game, then that goes a long way to losing. If they play well in this game, you could start banking on that 4.5 yards per carry and possibly 150 yards rushing and thus a victory. So I would watch those guards and hope for an Isaiah win start because I think that means that Teron Armstead's giving it a go. Right. When we come back, we will look at what happens when the Chargers are on offense. You are listening to three yards per carry. Are you a South Florida property owner with an insurance claim? Are you dealing with water, mold, or fire damage to your home or business? Are you having trouble locating a five-star rated general contractor that is fully licensed, certified, and insured? 
If the answer is yes, then Water Cleanup of Florida is here for you 24 hours a day. With over 60 years of combined experience, Michael, Robert, Jorge, and their team is prepared to handle any size property damage disaster. When an unexpected damage occurs to your home or business, you need specialized, fast, and reliable services. Water Cleanup of Florida understands the impact and stress an unexpected disaster may cause. Their objective is to make the cleanup and insurance claim process painless and hassle-free. Water Cleanup of Florida is also a licensed general contractor, so they provide the A to Z service, one-stop shopping that business homeowners and business owners require. Water Cleanup of Florida is now an authorized dealer of Eurocraft cabinets, so premier kitchen, bath, and laundry cabinetry, countertops, and other accessories are available for your viewing at their showroom in Boca Raton. Or, do you prefer to shop from your home or office? Then Water Cleanup will send you one of our design specialists to you with samples and products that fit your style and budget. Call Michael anytime on his personal cell phone if you have any questions at 954-579-0356. That's 954-579-0356. Or visit their website at wcufl.com. You can follow them on Facebook and Instagram. And please check out their more than 80 five-star reviews on Google and Facebook. Water Cleanup of Florida. If you have the schmutz, they have the guts. I'm Jalen Phillips, and you're listening to Three Yards Per Carry. Welcome to Three Yards Per Carry, or welcome back to Three Yards Per Carry. I am Simon Clancy, as always. Uh, Chris Kaufman, Alfredo Arteaga are here. We are talking Dolphins charges. It is the opening day of the season. We're a few hours away from Detroit at Kansas City, which is an important game already for the Dolphins in terms of playoffs. And, you know, Detroit to get a win. That's um, one less win that the Chiefs will have in terms of potentially... You just it's so tight in the AFC, you just don't know how it's going to shake out in terms of wildcard spots and division, all, all those sorts of things. Anyway, that's for another day. But when the LA Chargers had the ball, a high-powered offense with Justin Herbert, a quarterback, Austin Eckler, in their four, four or five deep wide receiver, they brought in Quentin Johnson in the first round from TCU to go along with Keenan Allen and Josh Palmer and and uh, Mike Williams. Tight ends, they're solid uh, tight end and, and and the offensive line, they return Rashawn Slater, the all-pro from the year before. But Alf, there are some question marks on that offensive line. And and you know, specifically at right tackle with with Trey Pipkins, who to me is the the weak link. And I don't know if you've been watching hard knocks, but obviously those Jets defensive linemen were putting together their sort of chains and they were like, I will not be the weakest link, I will not be the weakest link. But when I look at this offensive line, left to right, and it's strong left to right, especially in the middle when you go Zion Johnson, left guard, Corey Lindsay, centre, Jamari Salia, who did such a great job at left tackle, but a right guard. But I look at Trey Pipkins, a third at right tackle, I think that could be an area really where where the Dolphins could really, you know, find some wins, find some joy in terms of getting to Justin Herbert. Absolutely. And if you've been a watcher of the preseason practices and the games, you can almost guarantee that Jalen Phillips will be lined up right over him for most of this game. And we've, you know, we've heaped a lot of expectations on Jalen Phillips. Some people are even saying he, he'll be a defensive player of the year candidate. And most of us think double digit sacks are on the way, maybe even possibly 15 to 16 sacks. Well, get started here because this is a favorable matchup for yourself. Wreck the game. Like that's what we expect from guys that we just saw what Nick Bosa just got. What, what was it? 122 million guaranteed. He got paid like a quarterback. He essentially got the contract that Tua was hoping for in a year's time. So if you want to get yourself onto that trajectory of getting that big, big money three years from now, two years from now, Jalen Phillips wreck this game, dominate this game. And if you dominate it over Trey Pipkins, that right tackle, 
Justin Herbert's going to be essentially having to move left all day into Bradley Chubb and, and to, into what is surely going to be uh, an avalanche of pressure fives, which is what what Vic Fangio has done consistently against Justin Herbert to some success, by the way. So absolutely, he has to dominate. And this game belongs, if on the offensive end, the game belongs to the guards. On the defensive end, the game belongs to Jalen Phillips. Go dominate your matchup. Chris, this is a huge season uh, generally for the Dolphins, but a huge season to uh, for, for Jalen Phillips and Bradley Chubb, essentially inseparable throughout the spring and the summer in terms of that friendship and how they've worked together off the field and worked together in practice and all those sorts of things. But as Alf says there with Phillips, huge pressure as well on Chubb to really kind of you know, justify his um, his salary and the, the, the state draft status that we gave up for him uh, and for these two to have a massive impact on the game at the weekend. Yeah, I, I think, yes, uh, everything Alf says is, is correct. But I, I would also highlight, um, because I watched them all through the preseason, and this is what – so the, the Chargers don't really play their starters in the preseason. This is the second year in a row that they've um, – or, or really the third year in a row that they've uh, they've been very light on their starters. But the two guys they did play uh, in preseason on offense were Zion Johnson and Jamari Sawyer. Sawyer, as you said last year, played left tackle. Um, you know, in place of Rashawn Slater, who's coming back, and that's a big boon for them. Rashawn Slater, you mentioned Bradley Chubb. I almost kind of just X that out there. You know, Rashawn Slater in versus Bradley Chubb. I, I you know, that's that's going to be that's going to be that's not going to be a matchup necessarily that's going to favor us. Um, so the question that I have really, uh, looking at Sawyer at right guard, he was he was not good, and, and frankly, and in, in preseason. Um, I, I, I was not impressed at all with him. I was, uh, you know, more impressed, a little bit more impressed with Zion Johnson. Um, but, you know, I think that whole right side has the potential uh, to be a, a problem area for um, for the uh, for the Chargers. And, and it makes me wonder if um, if this is a game where they're going to end up try, essentially giving up on the run. And, um, and and saying, you know, OK, well, we've got the star. We've got star quarterback, you know, Justin Herbert in brand new offense um, run by Kellen Moore uh, as offensive coordinator. Uh, we've got Keenan Allen and Mike Williams. And, um, you know, and, as you mentioned, uh, Quentin Johnson, Johnston, uh, Josh Palmer, um, you know, we're just going to throw it all over you. I kind of wonder if that's how it ends up working. And if that's the case, you know, we've been complaining or not complaining, but would people point out Christian Wilkins, you know, isn't so much um, a sack generator, isn't so much a pass rush guy. You know what? He, he, he's got a, he's got a good matchup this, this week. Um, and, and I think Jalen Phillips has got a good matchup too. And I think that when Jalen Phillips reduces down, you know, uh, on, on some occasions, he's going to have a good matchup. Um, so I, I kind of wonder, you know, what are we going to, what are we going to see there from that chargers right side of the offensive line versus Miami's, you know, they're, they're, we have a really good, we have a really good set of defensive tackles in Zach Sealer and Christian Wilkins. And, um, and we have a good, uh, we have good, pass rushers and Jalen Phillips, as well as Emmanuel Agba, who can reduce down. So if Jamari Sawyer's a weak link at right guard because he's switching there from, from left tackle and still doesn't, you know, look that great yet. If Trey Pipkins is a is a weakness at right tackle, then Miami really has to exploit that. And as Alf suggested, has to be in the passing game probably because 
I, I don't know that I see the Chargers um, deciding that they're going to win this game by running all over us. Big game for David Long, Chris. Absolutely. Uh, if 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 we're going to scare them off running the ball, um, then then David Long has to, you know, he he has to be what he was what he was claimed uh, by Miami or, or signed by Miami to be. Um, and that's the guy that's going to uh, that's going to knife into that backfield and scare them with uh, law with tackles for loss, essentially, um, into you know into into just going ahead with the passing game. And uh, if he does that, then that puts a that puts everything that puts the sombrero back into the secondary with Xavier Howard and Cater Kohu um, and you know Eli Apple. Uh, with respect to stopping these big receivers in Mike Williams and Keenan Allen and uh, Joshua Palmer, Quentin Johnston. Alf, how do you expect that secondary to look on a down-to-down basis? And, and and who do you expect to see doing what, especially with those safeties? How just give us a just give the listeners a feel of how you expect that to project and how that should look, you know, especially with someone like Brandon Jones coming back. Uh, we all know in the box towards the line of scrimmage attacking the attacking the pocket is his strength how do we see all of those things because that obviously doesn't necessarily correlate to a Vic Fangio defense what are you thinking yeah if you watch a Kellen Moore led pass offense it's going to go outside the numbers it's going to go outside the the hash and there's going to be a lot of hole shots they're going to try to throw it behind your your corners in front of your safeties I'm going to look for that matchup with Gerald Everett uh Justin Herbert absolutely loves him, loves him on third down. And I would expect that this is the game where you're actually going to see a Javon Holland in coverage with Gerald Everett all over the field. And if he has a good game, then I can almost assure you that Justin Herbert did not. So that's where I would look at where the, the matchups on in the secondary are going to come is whenever they go YI, so they put Gerald Everett in the slot as their, essentially their slot receiver. I don't know if they'll trust Quentin Johnson just yet with a ton of snaps, but they will trust Gerald Everett, especially on third down. I expect Javon Holland to match up with him, and that's going to be a microcosm of how this game is going to go. If Gerald Everett is having a big game, then you're probably on the losing end. And uh, absolutely, David Long. David Long's going to have to be active as well as Jerome Baker because they're facing the best pass catching back outside of Christian McCaffrey in the entire NFL in Austin Eckler. So he's another guy they have to hold down and you're just going to have to trust Xavier Howard. You're going to have to trust your coverages to hold down those wide receivers. But if there's individual matchups that you have to watch and you have to win, it's Javon Holland with Gerald Everett and our linebackers with Austin Eckler in the flat. Chris, give me a 10 second answer on what Miami will have to do to win this game. Um, I think Beyond that they're gonna, points. Yeah, on, on, on offense, they're going to have to do better uh, establishing the run. Then it's not the commitment issue. It's it's just be more effective on defense. I actually think that uh, Cater Kohu could play a big uh, big role here um, because if he if he's able to shut down Keenan Allen the way that um, I, I won't say he shut him down last year, but it, you know he he gave him a tough time. He's also going to end up on Austin Eckler you know, uh, a lot and, and factoring in physically, he's going to be a man, man sort of in the middle of the field um, as a slot guy. If he has a big game in coverage, a really big game in coverage, then I think Miami uh, has the, has a good advantage here. Alf, 10 seconds on, uh, or as close as on one thing on offense, one thing on defense they need to do to win the game. 
Uh, one thing on offense, they got to run the ball well on first down and uh, and throw it to their backs, most importantly. Uh, if Savon Ackman catches five balls for 54 yards, they win. On defense, it's about pressure, and it's about Jalen Phillips' game. He has a big game, they win. I don't see a path for the Chargers to win if Jalen Phillips is in the backfield all day. Uh, subsidiary bonus 10-second question, Chris. What do you think the first play on offense will be? Our offense? Yes. Run. It'll be it'll be an off tackle run. Uh, I agree. Same thing. And an off tackle run, most are gained six yards. I'll even give you the amount of yards that get. That I don't think Daniel will be able to help himself. It'll be something like that little sexy throw to Tyreek that we had to open against Jacksonville, maybe on the other side or something like that. But right before we get out of here, oh, no wait, we... Simon. Uh, no, I'm going to change my vote. It's going to be a bad snap from Connor Williams. <laughs> <laughs> Start as you mean to go on, Christopher. Start as you mean to go on. Right. Before we get out of here, uh, prediction time. We do this every season. Uh, I'm not sure who's winning or whether it really matters, but it probably does as we're all competitive. And so by that end, I think I'm winning. Um, Chris, prediction. How do you see this one playing out? Give us your score and a winner, please. Yeah, I think that the the Dolphins are actually going to win this game. Uh, normally, like I said, default. I'm gonna I'm gonna go for the Chargers, but I think that this is more important to several members of the Dolphins than it is to the the Chargers. And so, I think that um, I think that the Dolphins are going to show up with a lot of you know a lot a lot of juice, um, and the Chargers are still going to be kind of thinking about the end of the year where things went so tragically in that playoff game. Um, and they're not as concerned about the beginning of the year. That, and, and hence, they didn't play anybody in the preseason. And they're going to come out cold in a brand-new offense. I think that's a mistake. Cool. Uh, score, uh, we'll, we'll call it uh, We'll call it 27 to 21. Alf? Yeah, I cool. think uh, on Monday, Vic Fangio will be a star and a darling all across uh, national media. Uh, he'll do a job, and the defense will do a job on Herbert. Offense will be efficient, and I see a little ampler score. Let's say it, 27. That was the number I had in my head. 27 for the Dolphins, 19 for the Chargers. They miss a two-point conversion to try to make it 21. I think that the Chargers would have won this had it not been for the fact that Mike McDaniel had his pants pulled down and his backside smacked uh, on national TV last year. I think he has got a massive, massive point to prove. And uh, and this game is vital. He has been thinking about this game for months and months and months and how he can um, how he can turn the page on on what happened last year at SoFi. So I'm going to go Miami 37, the Chargers 31. Uh, that's it for this week. Thank you for listening. We shall be back on Monday, uh, where we hopefully will all be, have been proved right. It will be a victory Monday, our first of the season, and our onward stomp towards Las Vegas and the Super Bowl. Uh, don't forget to check out our uh, Twitter page at uh, Three Yards McCarry. Don't forget you can also join us pretty much all the time on our Discord channel. Uh, there is a pinned tweet on the Twitter page uh, for OnlyFins where you can find out all the details. It's great fun. A lot of great people, great community. And don't forget our great sponsors as well. We shall see you back here on Monday after the Dolphins are 1-0, and I coolly predict. Thanks for listening to Three Yards Per Carry. You can subscribe via iTunes, on Podbean, or your usual podcast provider.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.